You ready for me? Okay. Am I on here? Can y'all hear me? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that I met the dress code. I didn't do that on purpose, but I see it. stripes, I see pink, so I think we're good. So yes, I'm part of the group. <laughs> So just introduce myself. My name is Fabi Howard. Um, I do have a, 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 I'm a psychotherapist. So I do have a private practice. I work mainly with teenagers, um, also the moms or the parents. Uh, pers- I'm saying moms, but it's the parents, the parents of teenagers. Typically, that's usually who I'm working with. Um, I also go into corporate and I was talking to Wendy about this and do some executive coaching, conflict resolution. So I'm kind of all over the place. But at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. And that's really why I love Love and Logic. And um, I'll tell you, I was introduced, I have an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old right now, but I was introduced to Love and Logic when my son was three. He was, he just turned three. And I have a mother, a very wise mother-in-law who, um, you know, I had this perfect little angel. Ty was a perfect little angel until he turned three. Literally the day he turned three, something happened. I don't know what happened. Get ready because it's not twos. See, she's shaking her head up and down right? It's not twos, it's threes. I don't know what happens. It's like a switch, you know, and it's your look, you're going, what happened? Um, tried everything with my child, you know, tried time out, tried go to your room, tried yelling, didn't work. Um, on and on, tried everything. And I remember calling her crying one day saying, I just don't know what else to do. He just would not listen, right? Has anyone ever been there where you're just like, what else to do? You're calling your mom and you're like, I have no clue. I'm a horrible mother. Anyways, that's kind of where I'm at. And she said, you know, Ty's, Ty's a smart kid. You need, to start, you need to start building that relationship with him. And I would encourage you to pick up Love and Logic. So that's how it started. Love and Logic, and we're going to talk about this. There's, there's something that we call the, um, ex, it's this experimental, like it's a setup. Basically, you're setting up your kid to train him to listen. And that's the first thing that I tried with Ty. Because what was the worst for me is I did, I had gone back to work and getting him ready in the mornings. Oh my goodness. He would run around. I mean, I was like, I was running a marathon every morning, just trying to catch this kid so I can get him dressed and get him to uh, my mom at that point in time, who was watching him for me. And it was horrible. I'd come to work all stressed out and just not good, you know, but, um, we're going to go through that example here in a minute of how I got him to start listening. And it was without yelling. Um, it was without punishing. It was without threatening. You know, we can go on and on. It was really about building a relationship with my child where he felt loved. Why do I still use, I always recommend parent, uh, parenting with love and logic to parents because as a therapist, I see what a broken relationship looks like with your parents. And that, it, and it's just sad. It's sad because as a parent, we love our children and we want a relationship with our children. And one day they're going to decide to leave the home and you want them to want to come back to the home. You don't want them to run away from the home. You want them to have such a loving relationship with you that they, they come and they seek that relationship and they seek your wisdom. And you have the opportunity to be the first person that gives them the advice, right? You care about them the most. So you should be able to be the one to have the opportunity to give them that first advice. So this is why I love Love and Logic, because I'm thinking 10, 15, 30, 40 years from now that I want to have a really loving relationship with my, with my um, kids. And it starts with empathy, and we're going to talk about that. And feel free to ask questions throughout. I have some slides that I'm going to go through, but I, I love discussion, so we can definitely do that as well. So our biggest struggles, here's some of the things that I was thinking about with, with this 
age uh, group. So crawlers, so I'm assuming what's were from like, some haven't even been born yet, I noticed this morning, <laughs> to what, like two or three, mainly around that age? Okay. Um, so, you know, when they're born, and, and it's really interesting what you were saying is, you know, that relationship does start from day one. You know, um, I would encourage you when they're babies to already start talking to them, you know, in a, in a respectful tone, you know. I remember when even when I was changing my son's diaper, I'd sit there and be like, you will not believe what happened today at work. And he's like looking at me and I'm like, I know, right? You know, and, we, and he'd make these little gurgling sounds and this and that. And, and what I mean by a respectful manner is we're having a conversation. You know, he's, he's not just a baby, he's a little human and, we, and we, we're having interaction. So I'd encourage you any way you can already start having interaction with your kids, that's kind of what you need to start doing. Um, but usually I would say around age one and a half, two to three is when we really can start putting the love and logic skills to, to, to play. And so um, I'll keep in mind that, again, you have the younger kids, so I want to relate it to you. But as we go through some of the examples, keep in mind that, again, around one and a half, two, three is where we really can start using this stuff and, and to start creating that relationship. But some of the battles that we have, you know, maybe not listening, some that are coming, just wait, you know, the tantrums, the meltdowns, some will start to hit, some will bite. It's, it's for a good reason. That's the only way they might know to defend themselves, you know, so we got to teach them that there's better ways to communicate and there's better ways to control our behavior. Um, but those are things that are coming, you know, bedtime battles, uh, morning battles, like I can attest to, um, bedtime potty training, all of that's coming. And I will tell you that if you have already started to create a loving relationship with your child, then they're going to be willing to listen to you a lot more, right? Instead of running away from you and, being, and having anger behind what we're trying to do, it's going to be a loving relationship, but they're coming towards you. That makes sense. So what is love and logic? It's a parenting discipline. Focus on building a positive relationship. And again, it's one that's going to last a lifetime. So it's not just about the now, let's think five years ahead, let's think 10 years ahead. What, what kind of relationship do I want with my teenager? So I have an 11-year-old right now, so he's, he's kind of getting there. And um, I'll give you some examples of how I use love and logic with him still, but it's amazing to me that some of the simple skills that we started when he was two and three, I can still use today, and, and the reaction is just, again, such a positive one. Um, so when I work with parents that are having a difficult times, let's say with their teenagers, um, and they'll say to me, I need you to fix my teenager. And I'm like, okay, well, it didn't work that way. <laughs> you know, I can't just fix them. But um, usually I say, let's start with you because the most, the person who has the most impact is the parent. It's not, it's not the therapist, it's the parent. And so what I say to them, let's tweak a couple of ways that we approach our children and let's see if you get a different response. And every time they do. So it's, it's about, again, let's tweaking the way that we approach them so that we get a different response in return. Um, and then it takes you out of, the, of being the bad guy, you know? So you're not the bad guy. You're the person, again, they run towards because you can help them navigate their life, right? I want to come to mom because she's going to help me with this problem. Um, but at the same time, and here's the balance, you're empowering them to make these better decisions for themselves because they're going to learn that there's consequences to all of the choices that we make in life, right? So we're building that relationship is what is kind of the whole focus. Why at LNL works, again, we are, everything that you do with love and logic starts with empathy. So it's knowing that we have little people that are brand new in life and they really don't know. They really don't know what they're doing a lot of times. 
Now, they're smart. Don't get me wrong. They're going to know here real soon. But it is your job to guide him and coach him. It's not to do it for him. It's to guide him and coach him. Because what's the difference between doing it for them versus guiding and coaching them? What do you guys think? Why is guiding and coaching better? Yeah, they learn the skills and they learn how to do it themselves. And are you going to be with them all the time? Oh, and by the way, I will send you guys these PowerPoints. If, it, if you're okay with that, I can send them to you. So don't feel like you have to, you know, you can if you want to. I'm just saying I'll send you all these slides. Um, but, yeah, the really cool thing about that is that they learn how to, how to start to make good choices on their own without mom being around. Because I'm telling you, once, like, for example, they go into elementary school, you're going to be a little bit more hands-off. Then they go into middle school even more hands-off. Then they're in high school, and then they're driving, and you don't even know what they're doing out there. So this is the time to really build that skill set. And it's better for them to mess up now than later. Because if they mess up now, you can coach them and guide them through it. But later, those mess-ups are going to be a lot bigger, aren't they? And if they don't know how to make good choices and do things that are good for them um, or navigate through, you know, times that are not going to be, again, as, as fun, then, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want my kid walking out there and, and he or her, my daughter, not having the skill set that they need to navigate life, right? Right now we can shield them. Well, we can't shield them all the time. So that's the really cool thing about that. So it puts you, um, you know, so love and logic, again, as a parent, it puts you kind of at a high level of control, which we want, because, again, they're little right now. They don't know what's dangerous, what's not. So we need to be there to guide them. But it also, um, from a love perspective, it puts it at a very high, too. So they know that mom is guiding me and coaching me based on that love that she has for me. Not on anger or disappointment, but based on empathy and love, right? We all want to feel empathy and love. That doesn't change throughout life. So it's great to start, you know, doing that now. The other thing that's so wonderful about this is there's actually, I I brought my, my little thing here. You guys can look at it after, but there's actually a love and logic for relationships, like marital relationships, Like, this stuff actually works at home. I'm going to give you some stuff you can use with your husband. But, I mean, this stuff is building relationships. You can use it in careers. You can use it in your your relationship with your um, husband. But, again, learning and teaching your kids how to have a healthy relationship is going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. Um, We're going to go through some of the things that we'll do there. But this is one of my favorite charts, and I gave you guys a copy. Um, Again, what are we doing with all this? We're We're building relationships. How do we do that? So some of the, the staples, the principles of love and logic is, again, the empathy before consequences. So I'm telling you I love you. I'll show you what that looks like before the consequence comes. Um, and then there's the shared thinking, which this, again, happens all the way into adulthood. Um, but shared thinking is way more powerful than singular thinking. So all the times, like from the from day one, you know, or not day one because they couldn't talk, But from the time that they had a voice, my kids had a voice, we would always ask. At the end of the day, we still made the decision, but they, I I needed them to know that they're still going to be heard and they're still going to be considered because this is their life, right? They're little, they're itty bitty, but it's their life. So let's make sure that we're building a relationship of respect um, and one where they're going to be heard, you know? Um, What were we talking about yesterday? Oh, my son. So we were talking private school versus public school. So we were talking about how we were thinking about private school. Um, and he said, but my friends aren't going to be there because he's in a public school right now. And I said, I know, I understand that. And he said, he said, well, how are you going to make that decision? 
And I said, well, I'm going to make that decision after we look at the schools and after we get your feedback. And he goes, well, what if I say I don't want to go to private school? And I said, well, then I want to try to understand why, and we'll have a great conversation over it. And I said, but at the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for you. It's not going to be based on my friends are going to be there because that's probably not a good reason. What do you think? He said, yeah, probably not. So, again, what we're doing is we're having a conversation. I'm not saying, I don't care what you think. You're going to be in good school. You know, I mean, I'm not going there. I'm just, let's, I want to hear you out because what am I not thinking? Give me your perspective. Let me understand. So we're building a relationship of where we make decisions together. Again, you're still going to make the final, but it's all about how you go about it. And it's the same thing when they're tiny, when they're little. And we'll show you what that looks like. But it's that shared thinking. It's that shared dignity, which again goes back to, you know, again, we have a respectful Um, relationship and shared control within limits so again instead of saying go do this I'm going to say would you rather do it this way or that way but I still have the control at the end of the day either option is going to work for me but I'm going to give you an option because what you think and what you want also is important relationship versus discipline so again it allows for your child's voice to be heard and valued which is really important you want to start doing that now Um, emotions on both ends are considered and valued, um, allows for an open door. And then a huge one is it builds child's confidence. So a lot of times when I'm working with older kids or teenagers, that's kind of where we're at. They don't have that confidence. They don't know how to do stuff for themselves at that point because it's always been done for them in a lot of cases. So again, this is building that for them and teaching them how to do it for themselves. It's empowering them. And when we empower them, we give them that confidence that they need again, when maybe they're in harder situations so I like this little thing you know so he's trying to you know talk to this duck and then all of a sudden he starts going quack and he's like oh okay I got you I'm gonna listen to you now quack you know so they actually understand each other so I always say your kids have to want to listen to you um, before your words can have any impact right so as they get older they're going to decide whether they listen to you or not because they're smart little little kids and they're going to either like the vibe, or they're not going to like the vibe, and they're going to say, I'm going to listen, or I'm not going to listen. Like, they have a choice whether they listen to you or not. Um, And so we want to make sure that our kids want to listen. How do we do that is, again, by providing a really safe environment, a safe environment where they want to come towards you versus away from you. You You don't want the kid that's scared to talk to you because then they're going to go talk to someone else, right? And I want to be, I as a parent want to be the one that they talk to, at least I have an opportunity to be the first person they talk to to make sure they're getting good information because a lot of times they'll go to little Joey down the street who heard from his older brother that this is what happens when you do this, and then, you know, they have all that going on. So any questions, anything, any thoughts, any concerns? Like, I want my kid to come towards me and say, Mom, can I talk to you about this? Very important. Um, Focus on the quality of your words versus the quantity. So less is more a lot of times. It's really interesting, and this should actually be good for you guys because, you know, the... The less I, the, you know, if I can just make an impact very quickly and leave it at that, you know, I end that by saying allow space for learning. I always say put it out there and it's quality and then walk away and let them think through it. You know, let it marinate the way Michael Jackson or what do he say sizzle? Let it sizzle? Yeah, let's let it sizzle for a while. Um, because there's a lot of learning in just giving him that time to actually think through, okay, what did I do? How could I have done this better? Right? So here's my thing with rewards and praise and stick. I'm not saying you can't reward them every once in a while. I remember we used to do a treat. We don't do a lot of sugar in my house because my kid was pretty hyper. So we, (laughs) 
we went ahead and, and monitored that by not doing a lot of sugar and, you know, getting them to bed on time, all the things that you need to do. Um, but we would do a treat after dinner and it, and it really, it didn't have to do so much about whether they ate their dinner. It had more to do with, um, their behavior, you know? So if they had good behavior for the day and all that, then they could have a treat at the end of the night. And that's kind of what we did. But so there's not anything wrong with doing the treat. It's when you use reward and treat for everything. If you do this, I'll give you that. If you do this, and a lot of times that happens because we get so fed up, right? She's laughing because she's like, oh, Lord, I can't do my treats. And I can't do my rewards anymore. My reward program is going out the door. You know, again, it works for a limited time, but after a while it wears off. After a while, they just don't care. My son tended to be very social. My daughter was not social at all. So sometimes I say, you're not going to so-and-so's party this weekend if you don't behave. And she'd be like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're going to have to go to your room if you don't listen. Okay. Like, she just didn't care. She's like, I'll go to my room. I love being in my room. Play with my toys. You know, I don't have to go to the party. I love my own company. You know, she was like testing me. And I'm like, wow, Okay. So at the end of the day, I had to find other ways. It couldn't, it couldn't just be, you can't do this, you can't do that. It gets to a point where, again, they just have to know that their behavior is not good behavior, and we need to learn to have better behavior, you know, whether I give you a reward or not, you know. And so it wears off. That's the thing with that. Um, you know, it's the same kids are immune. They just don't care. Um, and then does not contribute to our building that healthy relationship either because, again, I'm bribing my kid, right? <laughs> I'll do this if you do that. I'll do this if you do that. I mean, it's a constant negotiation. You know, I even heard parent or kids say, well, what are you going to give me? You know, and my kids have been horrified when they've heard that because they're like, mom, did you hear him say, <laughs> what are they? you know, and I'm like, oh, don't hear that. You know, so again, chores and, and that, we always talk about we're a family unit. And when we all need help, we come in and we help each other. If sissy's sick, we come in and we help sissy, you know, we help her with this. If Ty's sick, then we come in and we help with his chores. You know, if mom's not feeling well, because moms don't feel well sometimes, right? They got to have, they have to have, and this is a really cool thing about empathy. If you show your kids empathy, they're going to show you empathy back. So there's times when I've said, that time of the month, when I'm like, mom doesn't feel well, you know, just giving everybody a warning this morning. And, you know, it's, and so they treat me very kind, not that they don't otherwise, but again, they're just very thoughtful. Mom, can I help you with anything? Mom, you don't need to make dinner. We can just have, you know, PB&J, you know, whatever. But again, they show you that empathy back. But it's that whole thing. If dad's not feeling well, we come in and we help dad. You know, so it's a unit of all, we all help each other. And no, I don't have to pay you or take you here, you know, for you to do that. It's just that's, again, the relationship that we've created as a family, right? And that's just such a cool thing. So there is a love and logic worksheet. Just take one minute to, because we're about to start going about the kind of the different nine skill set that come with love and logic. We're going to talk through all of them, but there's a worksheet there. Oh, let me see. Let me show you too. It says parenting with love and logic worksheet looks like this. And the top one says, I would consider myself successful as a parent if, so I'd like for you to just throw, jot down a couple words. And I do that because everyone's different. You know, what would be, you know, what would be helpful for you is going to be very different from the person next to you, you know, where your kids are in their development. Um, and then top two areas I would like improved. So let's just kind of stop there. You know, there's one and two. Go ahead. If you can think of one or two areas, one's fine. You don't have to have two. And then 
I'd like you to have that in front of you because we're going to go through some love and logic tools and skills. And it's good for you to quickly, so you don't forget, jot down and say, I want to look more into this one because that really would do make a difference, I think, in whatever it is I want to work on with my child. I was going to ask you how much time do I have just on mindful of the time um, up to it's still 1045 and okay. if you want questions and we stop a little bit early okay so it goes until 1045 mm -hmm. okay I'm gonna speed it up <clears throat> but again I'm gonna send you guys these worksheets so and you can always email me too with any kind of thoughts or questions you have after All right, so see, these are some of the, um, the essential skills that you're going to find in the Love and Logic um, book. If you do any training, you go online. If you pick up any of their books, I brought one here. This one's Love and Logic for Early Childhood, which would be a good one for you guys, you know, where your kids are. I um, also brought, brought the catalog here for you to look at other things that they have if you want. But it doesn't matter. Love and Logic works on these nine skills. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, if, like I said, you know, it's newborn to age five to teenagers to your relationship with your husband. <laughs> you know, I love and logic my husband all the time. It works. It's fantastic. <laughs> and he's like, quit love and logic in me. But anyway, so you can use these skills set throughout, but we'll talk through them here. Um, this is a quote I like. Wise parents are prepared to neutralize arguing before they experiment with any other new skills. So if anything... One of the main things that I would say that you take from this is let's not get in a debate with our kids, you know, because they know the buttons to push and they're going to push them and we're going to lose it, right? Just stop it, you know? And so we don't want to get to that point because what happens when we lose it, when our kid pushes our button and we lose it? Who's in control now? They are. And they, and don't underestimate your kids. They are so smart. <laughs> it is just nuts how smart these kids are. You know, so they know the buttons to push. And you know why they'll push those buttons even if they get a negative response? What do they want? Attention. They don't care if it's positive or negative. Honestly, they don't care if you scream at them or if you're like, hey, quit. You know, it really doesn't matter. They want your time. They want your attention. So they're going to get your attention. And if you're not giving it to them, uh, you know, again, before they have to ask for it, then they're going to push, they're going to push, they're going to push for you to give it to them. Right? So neutralizing arguing is a big one. You know, they, it's funny because Love and Logic, they talk about going brain dead. They're like, just don't think, you know. Don't think too much about what the child is doing because if we think too much a lot of times about what they're doing, it's going to get to the core of us, right? That's how it kind of gets to our emotions. Um, but choose a one-liner. And the one that I really like for kids about y'all's ages, the younger kids is, uh-oh, I use it all the time, where they go to do something and it's almost like conditioning. It's really crazy. But they go to do something. I'd go, uh-oh. And you pick him up. And you put him in the crib. Or you pick him up. You say, ooh, we need to go to our room for a couple minutes. And you tell him, you know, remember, we're not supposed to do that. And you put him, you know, wherever. They come back out. They do it again. Uh-oh. So, again, are you sing it. You know, uh-oh. You know, so, you're, it's, again, they're, they're getting the vibe. They're getting the tone from you. So, the uh-oh, it sounds a little silly, but it works. I did this up to, gosh, even now, you know, my eight-year-old, sometimes I'll be uh-oh, and she'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, not to go in there, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> you know, so she'll redirect, you know, I'll just say, uh-oh, like that, 
So it's crazy, but that word, they know something that is not going to be fun is coming. You know, I'm not, I'm there. She's going to stop me from doing this. I'm potentially not going to be able to fr- play with my friend later. I'm not going to have that, you know, and we remove them. So in the situation, but we're also not giving them our attention because again, that's what they're looking for. You know, so you, you, in a loving way, say, Oh, and then it just says, you know, again, repeat it as many times as you have to. We went into a tantrum and a meltdown is kind of one of the main ones that I think about at this age. You know, and this is actually, I was thinking about my kid when he was one. The first time he threw a tantrum, she's laughing. <laughs> is that why? Yeah. The first time my son threw a tantrum, he was about one and a half. No, wait. It was, it was after I was, so it was probably about two and a half, two to two and a half. And my husband and I were in the house and he was there and he just threw himself on the floor and started, I mean, just batting his arms and his legs and he was just not happy. And I looked at that and I looked at my husband, I was like, is that a tantrum? Is that what that looks like? And we're sitting here having like a conversation and he's all like, what are they doing? And I was like, wow. And I was like, "Uh oh, and I told him, I said, Hey, when you're ready to be sweet, I said, mom and dad are going to go play some basketball. So let us know when you're ready. And we walked away. We didn't make a big deal. Quit it. Stop doing that. You know, this or that. We actually walked away and we, and I say do something fun because what happens is after a few minutes of throwing the tantrum, we went to a whole nother room and we started throwing a ball around, just having a good time. And my husband was like, what are we doing? I was like, just go with me here. And so he came in there. He was like, (laughs) I was like, oh, are you ready to have fun now? And he's like, (laughs) I was like, come on. You know, we started throwing the ball and this and that. So what he's saying is we're not going to pay attention to that. We will pay attention to you being a sweet kid, you know, and you being, and you coming in here, we're going to have a good time with that, but we're not going to pay attention to that. So this is just one of the examples that I like using the, 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 uh-oh in the tantrums because the tantrums and the meltdowns are big ones, you know, now the other thing is we don't want to work on this in a public setting, right? Cause it's not going to work. So usually if we're starting to have a problem with this, we almost want to make it happen in a way or create the scene in a way, in our home, so that we have time to work with our child on what's going to be acceptable and what's not going to be acceptable. You know, that's the thing. So um, that's one that that would probably come in hand with the little guys. And again, remember the goal is to develop a strong relationship. So I'm not going to come at them angry. I'm just going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, that's sad. And then I'm going to tell them, hey, let me know when you're ready to to be sweet again or let me know whenever you calm down and then I'll be more than happy to talk to you. And then I walk away from the situation. Right? So the empathy, no behavior technique will have lasting positive result if it's not delivered with empathy. Um, so again, when we, when we respond in an angry way, you know, honestly, what that build, what that does with our child is a lot of times it builds anger. It just does, you know, they're angry because you're being angry. And so that's all we're doing. So what we want to do is we, again, we want to stay in control, um, have an empathetic response ready to go. That's too bad. So sorry to hear. And I put tithe in my kid. He was, he hit at school. Here's an example of that. He hit a kid at school. He was really frustrated, this little girl. And it was really funny because I went to pick him up and his teacher said, he was like two again or three. And his teacher said, you know, he hit this little girl. And she goes, I don't blame him though. She's so like frustrating sometimes. And I'm like sitting here going, are you really telling me this about this little girl? But anyways, it just still doesn't make it right. We don't hit. That's not how we solve problems, right? And so anyway, she said, I still need you to talk to him. But I mean, I understand why he got frustrated. So the first thing, and he came out and he was looking at me like this. And I was like, bud, you have a rough day? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. And I gave him a really big hug. So I didn't come at him angry because the kid was frustrated. He's two, three. He doesn't know how to handle frustration. He doesn't know how to handle anxiety. He doesn't know how to handle anger. 
So I got to teach him, right? And so I came at him with empathy, gave him a hug, and I was like, well, let's, let's go home and we'll talk about it. So in the car, I said, tell me about it. And he said, Mom, she's so frustrating. You know, and we had this conversation about how frustrating this little girl is. And um, she's always telling on me and this and that. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, bud. I hear you. I'm so sorry. And I was like, do you think it's a good idea to hit, though? Did it I said, when you hit her, did it help the situation? And he said, no. And I said, so do you think that works? No. And then, I, so again, we're having this conversation. I was like, what do you think you could have done differently? And then he said, tell my teacher. And I was like, yeah, tell your teacher, you know, tell her if you need help, get some help, you know, or tell her I don't like it when you do this, you know, please don't do that. If that doesn't work, talk to your teacher, you know? And so then he, the first, next thing he said was, am I going to get a, tw- am I going to get tweet today? And I was like, do we get treats for behavior? That's not good behavior. And he said, no. And I said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to get treat today. I was like, but you know what? You have a chance again tomorrow. And he said, okay, no tears. No yelling, no screaming. I mean, here's a two-year-old taking, you know, two, three-year-old taking responsibility for his behavior. That wasn't good behavior. I shouldn't get rewarded for that kind of behavior, you know, but I'm also coming at him with empathy. I'm teaching him that I get it. You know, sometimes we have rough days. Mom has rough days, right? Huh? Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd hold, I mean, I'd grab, the way I would yeah. say is I would hold his hand firmly and I say, we don't hit. Mom is more than happy to talk to you if you're angry, but we don't hit. And I'd be very stern. I'd be in his eyeball level. That's the other thing. I get, I get eyeball all the time because it's really hard when they're, you know, when we're like, you know, so I get eyeball because the intimacy is there and they, they can feel you know, so I'd hold his hand firmly and say, we do not hit. I'm more than happy to talk to you about this, but we don't hit. Okay. And then show him some love. You know, if he stops hitting, it's like, show him some love. Thank you, buddy. I love you. And then we go off and it takes a few times, but yeah, my daughter used to bite my son because she was so, you know, she was one, she was so frustrated. And if he messed with her, she'd bite him. And again, that's her only self-defense. He's bigger. He's faster. Right? If we really try to empathize with our children, you know, that's the first thing I say to you. Really empathize with your child. My one-year-old, she's like, that's the only thing I got. You know, my teeth are sharp. If I bite him, he's going to stop. And Ty would come and you have these huge bite marks on him, right? So I had to sit down with her and I had to talk to her. You know, it's the same kind of thing. We don't bite. Is biting fixing your situation? No. And she was one. But they know. You know, so she's looking at me. I'm like, biting does not help. Next time, come tell mom and mom will help. Okay. You know, and I talked to Ty and all that. But again, we're building relationship. We're building relationship is what we're doing. So you were able to get the biting to stop. Mm-hmm. My um, cousin's daughter still bites, and she'll go through the actions like, do you bite your brother? And she says no. And she goes, are you going to bite him again? And she says yes, because he deserves it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, at some point, because she's almost 32 and a half, 30. Yeah. Says, well, because there's, there's a mo- there's, she's not motivated to stop biting him yet. And what I mean by that is there, there has to be consequences, and they, there can still be empathy before consequence. What happens a lot of times is there conse- there's consequence, but you know what comes before the consequence? Anger, disappointment. You know, so as a parent, I'm coming and, don't bite your brother. I told you not to bite your brother. You know, and then go to your room. 
Okay, all I'm saying is if you change the approach, again, sometimes it's a tiny little tweak. If we just change the approach, which is more of a, God, what's going on? Why do you feel like you still have to keep biting your sister, you know? Then we have a great conversation. Okay, it's not, that's not going to work anymore, okay, because you're hurting your sister. We don't do that as a family. Okay, we show kindness in this family. So next time that happens, there's going to be a consequence. It's going to start with this. You know, I always say pick something that really hurts. And what I mean by that is like my daughter, the one who didn't care about anything, she cared about her. She still cares about stuffed animals. She has like a collect, a huge collection. But her stuffed animals were her thing. And it had gotten to a point, she kept getting out of bed at night. Getting out of bed, getting out of bed, getting out of bed, put her back, put her back. She'd do great, but then she'd go back to it. Well, I talked to my husband. We're like sitting here strategizing. I'm like, okay, what, what really hurts? What really hurts? She was like, he was like her stuffed animals. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. So I had gotten really emotional when I, because she just kept getting out of bed. And, you know, as a parent, you want them to get good sleep, right? Because if they're not getting good sleep, that really does, it really does hurt your child, you know? So it's good for them to get a good amount of sleep every night. Um, but anyway, so I did. I finally had it. And I went up there and I said, I said, uh-oh. Mom told you that if you do this again, we're gonna, there's going to be a consequence. I was going to take your levies, right? And she said, she just kind of looked at me. And so I, I had a bucket, and I started throwing all her levies in there. And she was like, don't you dare. That's what she said to me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the devil has been, gotten in my child. You know, but anyway, she, don't you dare. So I put all those. I was like, I'm sorry, baby. We talked about this. I'm going to have to put, you know, take your levy. So I put him in there. She just looked at me and was so mad. And I walked out with this big thing of levies and I shut the door. Never came. She didn't come out again. So the next day, she, the next day, when do I get my levies back? And I was like, whenever you show me that you can stay in your room when it's bedtime, you know, and she, and she just kind of walked away angry. Okay. So I didn't give her a time frame because that's the other thing. If we say two days or three days or four days, it's like, okay, I can do it for two days. But then they go back to their old behavior, right? So that's what I mean about making it hurt. I'm not talking about physical. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm saying something they really, you know, something that really motivates them to want to stop. Mm-hmm. They don't agree with spanking. I don't agree with spanking. The only reason that we don't, again, I'm never going to come at it with judgment because everyone has their own reasons. Um, I don't agree with spanking because I think that if we're teaching our kids that spanking is not, or hitting is not a way to solve a problem, but yet we're hitting them to get a certain behavior from them. I feel that's a bit hypocritical, to be honest, and it's not teaching them the right way. So, again, I come at it from a psychology perspective because I'm now working with the kids who had problems and the parents who have problems with their kids. I go back to day one, and I'm like, we need to have respect for our children. I don't think that includes hitting. You know, people ask me all the time, how are your kids so respectful? And I'm like, because I show them respect. Your kids give you what you give them. I guarantee it. So you come at them with respect, they're going to show you respect. So my kids don't talk back. They don't this. Now, Ty's 11, maybe six months ago, I think he did. He, he came at me at a tone that I didn't like. And I'm like, I just looked at him and I stopped and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And he just was like, I was like, bud, we need to talk about that. That is not a respectful tone. So in that moment, I addressed it. Like, I don't let it go 10 or 20 or 30 times. Let's address it. And I came at it again with empathy. Why? I mean, why, why are you coming with this so angry or why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? And then it ended up he had some things going on at school that were bothering him. He started crying, and we had a great conversation about it. And I said, okay, bud, just tell me. We'll, we'll, Mom will help you. You know, we'll, we'll get through it. And so we talked through it, and everything's fine. 
But sometimes, again, they're angry or they're upset or they're frustrated and they just don't know how to show it. So it's giving them the benefit of the doubt, knowing I have a good kid here, so let me come at him with empathy first and try to understand his situation. Like the one-year-old that's fighting. You know, why are you getting so upset? You know, and well, her brother keeps messing with her. Okay, well, then we need to work on this. You know, um, so it's having the empathy first. So the spanking, I, again, some people think that's the only way to do it. And a lot of times what I've heard, it's because that's the way their parents did it. Um, but at the same time, when I ask them how they felt about it, and they say it made me angry. So then I would ask you that. Do you want that from a, of a child or do you want them again to have respect so that they want to respect you back and really listen to what you have to say? So it's creating the right relationship is what I would focus on. Um, setting limits with enforceable statements. I always say never tell a stubborn child what to do. Describe what you will do or allow instead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sure. Oh yeah. Staying calm and on it, and I always say making it look easy, right? Staying calm. Mm-hmm. My main question is, he acts totally normal anytime out of the house, like including grocery stores, any babysitter, nannies, oh. play dates, like super normal. Everyone thinks he's like a plus kid. At home, I'm almost like, well, what's wrong in his house? Like, what's going on in here? Because mm-hmm. he just changed into a different person mm-hmm. the second we walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. So I always want to get out of the house, either with yeah. or with <laughs> I don't want to come to my home. Yeah. You know, I would have, how old is he? How old is he? Two and a half. Okay. So, I mean, believe it or not, two and a half is already a good, a good, it's already a good age to have a conversation with him. I would ask him. I would say, I feel like when we come in the house, you get upset, you know, and I would name it. You do this or you do that or you do that. I was like, please help mom understand because I want to make sure that our house is a happy house. You know, so I would say have a conversation with him, but I would maybe try some of these, look through some of the skills that we're talking about too. Maybe think about the behavior and see if you can approach him differently too on certain things, right? Because again, it all comes back to motivation, right? Our kids have needs and wants, right? And so let's figure out what the needs and wants are and maybe how are those needs and wants not getting met at home? And is there maybe a change that I can make as far as how I approach him, right? Because that's, something is going on in the house. That is making him change, so it's trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, So, for example, I'll I'll just say like dinner. If the kid doesn't want to stay at the table, he doesn't want to eat, right? My kid did this. I swear I had every one of these things. But (laughs) uh, my kid just wouldn't sit still. He kept running away when we were trying to have dinner. So I I was like, I'm not going to do this. You know, so what I would tell him is I allow kids to have a treat after dinner if they have had good behavior at school. Um, or in this case, I would say, you know, the kitchen closes at, you know, whatever it is, six thirty or seven o'clock the kitchen, you know, um, we're going to eat dinner from so-and-so to so-and-so the kitchen closes at seven o'clock. It's going to make mom really sad if you don't get to eat dinner tonight. And I did, that was a hard one because my husband and I had talked about this. We, this was what I say about the strategic kind of situation that you put in place so that you can teach your child. And so, sure enough, he ran around, ran around, didn't eat. Well, the kitchen closed at 7. So guess who went to bed with no dinner that night? Yeah. But did he wake up motivated to stay in his chair and eat dinner the next day? Yes. So guess what? We didn't really have that problem again. So it's re- sometimes it's hard to do that kind of thing because you love your child and you don't want him to suffer. But I guarantee you, one night of not having dinner is not going to do anything. <laughs> 
All it's going to do is motivate them. So sometimes we have to, again, give them the right motivation and set it up. But again, I did it in a kind way. It's going to make mom really sad. Are you sure, you know, make sure that you're thinking about this because, again, it's going to make mom really sad if you can't, if you don't get your dinner tonight. And so then the next day when he was trying to get out of bed, I was like, oh, uh-oh. It's going to make mom really, I sound like a broken record. It's going to make mom really sad. And again, you're staying calm. You're not losing it. You're in control. It's going to make mom really sad. But what is he thinking now? Oh my gosh, they mean it. Like if I don't stay in the table and eat my dinner, I'm going to go to bed again without dinner. So seriously never happened again. I'd, all I had to do was say, uh-oh, uh-oh. And he'd run back to a seat. You know, and again, just a few times of that, he finally had it down. So that's what I mean about setting limits with enforceable statements. I'll be happy to take you to the park once you're dressed. Guess what? If they don't get dressed, we're not going to the park. See, it's really cool to do this at home because I can enforce it, right? Um, I'll listen when your voice is calm. So again, you're teaching them. When you come at me with a calm voice, I'll be more than happy to listen to you. But if you're whining or yelling or screaming or hitting, then I'm sorry, you know, we, we, we're kind to each other in this house. I'll listen to you when you're ready to be kind. You know, so you're setting the right, again, relationship with your child. Um, the strategic training session is what I'm talking about. You know, this is creating activity over which you have total control. So like in my example, my kid really likes Halloween. He would always look forward to Halloween. The biggest issue that I had is getting him ready in the morning. So I had to teach my kid how to get ready when I told him to get ready. Let's put your shoes, let's put your pants on, let's put the whole nine yards on, right? So one weekend, literally I dedicated the whole weekend to this. I said, oh, Ty, I have an idea. Let's go to the Halloween store. Do you want to go to the Halloween store? Got him all excited. He's like, yay, yay, And I'll be like, okay, so we're going to go in an hour. I was like, but we make sure you're dressed. So when you're dressed, we'll head out, okay? So you got an hour. Okay. Didn't listen to me. Ran, 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 ran. 20 minutes in, ooh, Ty, I see you're not dressed. You know, remember, we're going to go to the Halloween store. I need you to be dressed. Okay, blah, 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 blah. I had like one sock on, underwear. That's about it. And so anyways, um, again, don't nag. You know, you might give them like a 20-minute, but, but I wouldn't nag. I so say, you're not dressed. Hello. I mean, I would just be like, hey, oh, so you're not dressed. You know, again, I'm loving. I'm a loving relationship here. Um, if problems arise, provide empathy as you end the activity. So sure enough, it came time to go to the Halloween store, and I looked at him and uh-oh. Again, two or three-year-old, I see you're not dressed. And he kind of looked at me. That's too bad. And then I just kind of walked up. He's like, what? Where are we going to Halloween store? I'm like, you're not dressed, buddy. Remember you had to be dressed before you could go to the Halloween store? And he's like, I don't want to go to the Halloween store. I had lots of laundry to do that day. So he literally attached himself to my leg as I'm doing laundry. The whole, I know, buddy, it makes me sad too. I know, bud, it makes me sad. I know, I really wanted to go too. I wish we could have gone. That's all I kept doing. So about an hour later, I'll just, uh, just to finish, as an hour later, I said to him, I was like, you know what? He stopped crying. Everything's great. I said, you know what? I said, do you want to try again tomorrow? And he goes, yes. And I said, what do you think you're going to do different tomorrow? So what am I doing? I'm not telling him. I'm asking him, you think about it. And he said, I'm going to get dressed. <laughs> I said, yeah. And guess what? Mom can help. I said, but you do need to be dressed when I tell you to be dressed, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, we'll try again tomorrow. Try it again tomorrow dressed, ready to go. You know what that, that changed my life <laughs> during the week to, to have that because my child now knew when mom says it, you know, there's a time he went to school with no shoes on because he didn't put them on on time. And I'd already talked to the teacher 
And so I told her if he doesn't have his shoes, then he can't go out and play because that was the thing. If you don't have your shoes on, it's going to make mom really sad if you can't go to, to, to the playground. Well, he didn't get to go to the playground that day. Guess who always had his shoes on after that? Every single day. What, were you, what was your question? Yeah. So I think through that, you know, again, this is a strategic training session. So when that's happened, for example, when I did this weekend, I had my husband take my daughter who was a baby. I was like, can you guys go over to your mom's or something? You know, cause I really want to focus on Ty. He did. So you have to set up the scene or you have to create a situation where you could just take one or let's say your husband's there and you, you know, he stays with one and you take the other one, you know, but you gotta, you have, the whole point is you being in control the whole time. Like I thought this out. So I know exactly what's going to happen. These are the steps because you're, you're creating a situation where you can almost train or teach your child the right behavior. So yeah, you got to think through that one, you know, do something that you can kind of follow through with. You know, I remember, I think we did an ice cream one time. So on Fridays, I'd take my kids to get ice cream. And I remember I created a situation like this. And I said, it's going to make me sad if, if you can't get ice cream tomorrow when we go to ice cream. Well, sure enough, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. His, his, <laughs> so we go through the, to like a Brahms or something. We go in and my, da- my daughter and I are getting like these big Sundays on purpose. It's like we're putting whipped cream on there and chocolate and cherry. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. But it makes me sad you can't have any. And that seems kind of sad. But he made a choice, right? And the choice was that if you don't behave, you don't get ice cream. And so guess again, who started to behave? He gets ice cream every Friday now. So again, you're showing them that there's, good, there's, there's consequences to all the choices that we make. And you're doing it in a safe environment. You're also doing it in a very loving environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how old is she? About two and a half. Well, I mean, she's between two and a half and three. Yeah, two and a half and three. So, again, this is where I'd bring the child in and ask her. You know, mom really needs you to nap because it's important to you. I I remember my daughter was around the same age, and she had not gotten her nap. She was so moody, number one, and we talked about that. But then I went to brush her hair, and we looked in the mirror, and she kind of had, like, almost like little back, you know, little circles in her eyes because she wasn't getting enough sleep. And I said, Maya, look at yourself in the mirror. She looked and I said, do you see those little dark spots in her? And she's like, yeah. And I said, that's because you're not getting enough sleep. I said, it makes mom so sad that you're not getting enough sleep. There's a powerful thing with saying it makes mom sad. Because you got to show, you got to be able to show your kids your emotions too, because your emotions count. And that's how you build empathy with your child, not only towards them, but they build empathy with you as well. You know, and so I said, this is why napping is important. Do you think you can try harder for mom? And she said, yes. But I'd get with your child and say, how can I help you? 
so that we can make sure that we get your nap. I was like, because that's what's really important for me. It's important for your health. You're in a better mood. And then it makes the, ha- the house just so much happier. So how can I help you? And let her brainstorm ways. So that's not so much rewarding or bribing. It's, it's again, you guys coming together and coming up with a good way to do it so that she's happy and you're happy. That's my recommendation. Again, you're starting to build that relationship where she gets a voice too. It's not just mom making the decision, right? That's the difference. And there's more buy-in when they help. They get really excited about it. They're like, what? I get to help? Yeah. What do you think? Give me two or three. Usually two or three. I can, I can live with one of them because she's going to get the sleep that she needs, right? And we made that decision together. And so, again, they get, they, they're more apt to do it when they're part of the decision-making. Yeah. We already kind of talked about the uh-oh song. And, again, I always say that's kind of like whenever your mom would give you that look. I had the mom who would just look over at me, and it was just like everything would stop. <laughs> that's kind of what the uh-oh is. And I'm telling you, for years, all I had to say was uh-oh, and my kids would stop. It didn't matter if we were at a store, at a friend's house, or whatever. I'd just be like, uh-oh. And a lot of times I wouldn't follow through with the punishment in the house because you can't, you can't do it in a way that's effective. I really believe that. I'd say I would just look at him and say, oh, I was like, oh, mom's going to have to do something about that, but not right now. I'm later. And she, they were like, what are you going to do later? What are you going to do later? I'm like, I don't know. And then you just kind of walk away and let them think about it, you know. And, again, we'd get home and something would get taken away. Like they might not get, you know, to go to the party that they're going to go to on Friday or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, and he is probably still figuring out the world. I'd say like two or three okay. when it gets really hard. And I have a mom here who can tell you it's three. <laughs> I don't know what happens when they're three. I've had so many moms tell me it was three for them. You know, that's you, you probably two and a half is when I would start working on this stuff because, again, you're setting them up <laughs> for when three hits and it's like everything goes crazy like you're ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, two and a half, I say just as soon as they can comprehend and understand some of the stuff I would either, uh, Oh, I did when my kids were a year and a half and it worked because they'd go to touch something they're not supposed to touch. I'm like, Oh, Oh, like I'd scream it across the room and they'd be like, you know, <laughs> so you can, it's just like a warning. Like something's not, something good is not going to happen from that action. So my advice as your mom's your loving mother is for you not to do that. You know, so you're, it's kind of like that. Um, so, you know, and I can, and I'll send you these, but this is like the kids who, who, you know, you have, you put in your room or you put in a safe area because sometimes you do have to move from the situation because they're not going to stop regardless. So what I say with this is it's the re- repetition. Sometimes parents don't want to keep doing it. And I say, if you just actually dedicate a day to kind of train your child, guess what? The rest of your life is going to be that much better for it <laughs> versus I don't have time, you know? I suggest making the time. Like I said, I didn't have time either, but I made the weekend the time to train, and then it made my life again. It really did change my I mean, I'm not even joking when I say it changed my life because every morning I literally was, like, almost in tears going to work, you know? So it's like, it's do you want that, or do you want to start getting kind of these kids who are cooperating and you guys forming that good relationship? And, again, it just makes everyone's life so much happier. Um, sharing control within limits. Uh, so always, it's, you know, we either give control on our terms or the kids will take it on theirs. Um, I always say anticipate potential difficult situations before children have a chance to argue, you know, so have already what you're going to say. Do you guys go on to go to bed now or in 15 minutes? I would do that with my kids all the time. 
Hey, we got about 30 minutes. Do you guys want to go ahead and get started, or do you want to wait 15 minutes and watch a little bit more TV? And then they'd be like, hey, hey. And I'd be like, okay, so you guys have 15 more minutes. But then we'd turn it off, and we'd say it's time. And, you know, they might say, oh, and I'm like, yeah, remember, Mom gave you the option, and you said later, not now. So, you know, so I'd remind them. But give them the choices. You know, um, bedtime's a hard one. The other thing I'd say with bedtime is make it fun. Um, I remember my husband used to dread putting my son down because he would argue with him. I said, well, you're not making it fun. And so he was like, show me what that looks like. And so we'd be downstairs and I'd tell Ty, I was like, I bet I could beat you upstairs. And Ty'd be like, no, you can't. And I'm like, I bet I can, you know? <laughs> and then, so we'd, we'd run up the stairs to see who would win. And it'd be just this funny, silly thing that we did, you know? And then I'd be like, I bet I can brush my teeth faster than you can. And he'd be like, no, you can't. <laughs> so we'd start, you know, it was all like, you know, it just was fun. And then we start, you know, the bedtime routine. We, you know, routine is very, very good because they come to love it and expect it. So the bedtime reading was huge. The bedtime song was huge. But it's all a part of winding them down and getting them ready for the night. And you're not rushing in. Bedtime, bedtime, bedtime. Let's get in bed. Let's get in bed. Like, you're not rushing in. Like, it's a very normal, natural process. And it's a fun process. Like, I love bedtime kind of thing, you know, because this is all the fun stuff that we're doing at bedtime. And so as soon as we started, he started doing that too. It just became fun. You know, he would do the Superman. Would he throw Ty on the bed, you know? And, I mean, he did, you know, my husband had different things he did. I had different things I did. But they came to really, even today at 8 and 11, they love bedtime. You know, so, again, it's all about what you make of bedtime. Um, yeah, and so I kind of give you those things. Don't rush it. Wind down. Make it fun. Routine is good. Um, and slow down so they slow down. Set the mood. Even when we were reading the book and it was coming towards the end, we'd start slowing it down. And he got really, oh, he got so sleepy. And the kids are going, I know, right? Are you tired? I'm tired. It's been a, you know? And so we would really start winding it down. And so by the time it's time for bed, they're ready. Um, delayed consequences. Um, you know, consequences, they don't have to be delivered sometime in the moment. Because sometimes, honestly, we don't know what we're going to do. We just know we're angry. Even if our emotions are kind of real crazy like you sometimes you need to know when it's time for you to just kind of calm yourself down right so the delayed consequence is good well this makes me sad I'm going to have to do something about this but not now later the other thing that it does is it allows your child some time to think about what they did you don't always have to like tell them like you just let them think about it you know you've told them before they're smart kids so let them think about it so giving our kids even starting now a little bit of space is actually good because as teenagers, you're going to have to do more of that. You're going to have to give them some space. Because if we do this to them, it's, again, it's not a comfortable situation for them. You know, they want, you want it to be a comfortable relationship where they want to come to you, not kind of run away from you. We can already start working on giving our kids space with the delayed consequence. Um, again, allows them even to think about it. Um, sorry, I'm going through these. And I'll stay for a while if you want to ask questions. I just want to be respectful of the time. The energy drain. When you can't think of an appropriate consequence, have an energy drain. So this one's hilarious, actually. I've used this a lot. So Sam, I'm going to have to do some about that later. Right now, my energy is drained. So, you know, the best example that I can think about this is when they're supposed to do something and they don't do it. And, and like you say, I really need you to pick up your room before we go to basketball practice, you know, and they don't do it, you know. And so what I've done is, again, you, you set that you say this is what's gonna, what I need to happen before this happens. So... For example, my child, he did that, and I said before basketball practice, for me to be able to take you, or no, I said, I will take you to basketball practice whenever all your chores are done. And I told him, and it was like an hour before. Okay. One hour passed. It was time to go, and I went up to his room, and I was like, uh-oh. 
I see you haven't done your chores. And he's like, Mom, I'll just do when I get back. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, you know what? You've really drained my energy with this. And he just kind of looked at me. And I was like, I don't have the energy now to take you because guess what? Now I'm going to have to do these chores or I'm going to have to help do these chores because I need the house to be picked up. We have guests coming, you know. And so sure enough, he's like, what are you talking about? And so you're going to have to call your coach and tell him you can't come because you didn't do your chores. And so he was like, what? And so guess, and it was really interesting is his coach had a little talking to him too when he went back to the practice later. But the energy drain is good to use when, again, sorry, Joe, but my energy is still drained from you not listening, so I don't think I'll be able to take you to practice. How are you going to restore that energy for me? You know, and again, it's about creating an environment that um, it's a partnership, and what you feel, your feelings and your energy is just as important as their feelings and their energy, right? So it's, again, we're creating a relationship. I'm happy to do my part, but I really need you to do your part, Right? Okay, and then skill nine, getting kids to own and solve their problems. Um, this one's huge as they get older. And actually, it, you know, I take it back to the, the thing with Ty when he, hit, when he hit that little girl, right? That's what we were doing, getting kids to own and solve their problems. I didn't, make, I didn't tell him what he needed to do. I asked him. It's, so what do you think you're going to do different next time? That's what this is. This one, I can't tell you how many times I've used it, and it's really one of my favorites because, again, it goes back to teaching them how to make good choices and also understanding that their behavior and what they, the choices that they make, there's going to be a consequence. So is it a good consequence or is it a bad consequence? Okay, if it wasn't a good consequence, then what are you going to do different next time? Okay? So, you know, um, I gave him the hug. I said, you have a really bad day. I talked to your teacher. It sounds like you had a really bad day. Yeah, and I was like, I'm sorry, buddy. And then I got down and we hugged and, you know, it was just squeezy little kid, make him feel good. And then, um, you know, it's so what do you think you're going to do differently next time? Um, now, the other choice, what would you like to hear what other kids have tried? So sometimes they're not going to have an answer for you, and that's okay because they're little. You know, sometimes they don't know. And so that's when you can come back and you say, do you want to hear what maybe some other kids have tried? Or, you know, what I hear maybe works sometimes. So, again, I'm, I'm asking them. I'm not just telling them. I'm saying, do you want to hear? Yeah, I want to hear. Okay, well, some kids will try to do this. Some kids might try to do that. Some kids will try to do this. What do you think you're going to try? And then they make a decision. You know, and how would that work for you? Well, I think I'm going to try this. How do you think that's going to work? Well, hopefully it works well. Okay, we'll try it, and then let's talk afterwards. So, again, you're giving your kid an opportunity to go try these things with your coaching and guidance and then they're going to come back afterwards, and you're kind of almost doing like a debrief. Okay, let's talk about how that worked for you. So my kids now, for example, I rarely have to step in at school, you know. And, and now there will be times when you can see that they're really frustrated, they don't know how to deal with something. Then you can say, do you need mom to help you with that? Yes, okay, mom would be more than happy to help you with that. But 90% of the time, they're doing it. And what do you think happens when they're the ones solving their own problems? What is that doing for them? I'm sorry? Mastering. Yeah, they're mastering, but it's building up their confidence. And I don't know how many parents will say to me, "What's the, if you had to pick one thing that's the most important thing for you to focus on as a parent, what would it be? And I always say build up their confidence. I'm telling you it's key in so many different areas for them to be empowered and confident. Because, again, when they're in the great situations, that'll be helpful. But when they're in the bad situations and you're not around – They'll have enough skill set and tools and confidence to, again, make some, some decisions that are better choices, right? 
or handle situations in a better way. Um, so that's one of the main things that, that, that I always say with that. So kind of what I said, wise parents only step in when they are certain that their kids have a problem that's too big or dangerous to solve on their own. For the most part, we want them to learn right now because right now is when we can teach them. We don't have time for that, but I want you to, you know, again, think about some of those and I'll send these slides to you and um, which one of these might be helpful in your situation. Um, sometimes it just takes one tweet. I don't like things to be complicated because our lives are already complicated as they are, right? You know, enough. But sometimes it's one or two tweaks. And again, how we approach our children that can make all the difference in the world. In this case, I would say, again, building that respect and building that relationship but again, also empowering our kids so that they have the confidence to make better choices. What questions? And I know we went through it quickly, but mm -hmm. sure. Which one? That one here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys could do that at another time. This is actually a quite a powerful exercise. It'd be great if you guys have time to do this at some point. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing when you do this, what kind of thoughts just come up in your head and you want to jot them down and you want to be, just take them. You know, what is it that comes, pops in my head that would make my life easier? And if I were to do this again, it would really make a, a, a difference. What are the questions do you guys have on the, on the skill set? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you've come upon that too. What is the... I really haven't. <laughs> I, ha I haven't, but maybe, yeah. I, I think you seem to get maybe stuck on the, uh, the cheerfulness or the separation or something, mm -hmm. and they don't ever follow through with the consequences. They just yeah. just by saying, uh-oh. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. irritate their child after a while. They're like, you're always doing that. No, yes. Yeah. Well, the only time that a child would say that is if you don't fall through with consequences. That That's totally it because they might try it once or twice and be like, yeah, it didn't work with my kid. But you, you, you do have, you have to put some work into it. But here's my whole point. My whole point is if you take the, if you put the work into it, it's like anything on the front end, long run, it's going to benefit you like a million times over. Right. Yes, and, and that's the cool thing. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You gotta. It's this is a strategic way. It's not impulsive. So what love and logic is is not just to kind of fly at the seat of your pants. You know, eventually, like to me, it's so natural now. I don't even have to think about it. But 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 more importantly, I don't have to think about it because I have such a great relationship with my kids. 
Like I have people all the time say, how are your kids so respectful? They're so polite. You guys have such a great relationship. Your kids love each other. Like my kids are best friends. They're eight and 11 and they love each other, but we created a very loving environment in our home. Um, But that doesn't mean now I'll say to them sometimes when they do things that I'm not very happy with, I'll say to them and I'll tell them, you can come tell me anything. I said, I might be a little disappointed. I was like, but we're always going to work it out. But what that does is it invites them because I'm not coming at them with anger, right? If you come at them with anger, they're not going to want to talk to you. That's the problem. And so I also, like I said, I'm a therapist. So I see a lot of kids who have been in really hard situations, very, very difficult situations and they didn't want to talk to their parents. That's sad, you know? And so um, you want to teach your kids now that, again, they're empowered. Um, You want to teach them confidence, and you want to create such a relationship that no matter what happens, they're going to come talk to you. It also keeps you from being a martyr. Yeah, that's right. It's a mom. Yeah. That's right. Usually they haven't because when I have talked to parents who hasn't, but when, when we do work on it and we say, well, why don't you just do this one thing? Then they see a difference because they actually are focused. And that's why I say, take one of these things and implement them and see if it makes a change. You know, you're talking about your son, just take one of these things that you think could be helpful and implement it, you know, and see if it makes a difference. But usually, yes, it does. Because again, your, your kids grow to respect you as a parent. Um, and they want to have that relationship and they want to have that discussion with you. So, but you do have, it's a strategic thing. It's not an impulsive thing, right? It's not just, a, it's not a reactive thing. This is, again, it's, it's strategy. It's strategy on the front end. So that, again, I'm creating that relationship with my child that I want with my child when they get, as they get older. I think the other thing is a lot of times people will be so shocked that the child's so young can teach them stuff. It's a shock. Yeah, but they can. I mean, as soon as you said how old, I mean, a year and a half, my kids, we were doing this and it worked. You know, so it does work <laughs> if you just implement it and you stick with it. Yes. Does your husband also have to, like, is this a parenting style that you have to adopt throughout the whole family? I mean, yeah, you got to have to be on the same page for sure because kids are smart. Again, they're going to work you and they're going to work your, your husband, right? So you kind of have to be on the same page. This became so fun for us, so it's so funny to think about. But even like the thing with my daughter, you know, with the loveys and her getting out of bed, we literally strategized and we were like, okay, what should we do? You know, and he was like, what if her loveys? And I'm like, oh, brilliant, you know? And again, it's not, I'm not trying to hurt my child. I'm trying to give my child the right motivation in a loving way. Cause again, I'm not going to spank. It's just me personally. I can't say to my kid, you don't fix the problem by hitting, but then again, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do to motivate them to do something. That's just, Again, it, it, a lot of times what that does, it creates a certain kind of anger. And I, I personally don't want that with my kids. So it's a decision that you have to make. You know, what kind of relationship do you want with your children? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's hard. So you need to talk to them, you know. And um, I have had, I, I do, couple, I do um, sessions sometimes with couples. And I like that because they, they see it and they feel it. And they're like, okay, I see what we've been doing wrong. So sometimes it's good to, you know, go through this together as a couple because, again, they can kind of see it. Um, but you, my, my husband, I didn't have him go through a class or even read the book or anything. I just, it was very simple. Here's how we're going to handle it. And he was like, all right, you know, and if she comes to you, if he comes to you and says this, here's what I really need you to say or here's what I really need you to do. Okay. You know, and he was willing to try it. 
And when he tried it, he saw that there was a big difference. And so then it's like, okay, I'm going to do it this way because that's way easier than this way, you know? So sometimes, but yeah, being on the same page is so important because again, your kids are going to try to work, (laughs) both parents, you know, my kids will still, they'll go ask their dad something. The dad might say no. And they come to me and I, but I'm like, did you talk to your dad? And they're like, yeah, what did your dad say? This, I'm like, okay, then there's your answer, you know? Um, or if they said, but I don't agree with the answer. I'll be like, okay, well, if you want to have a car, we can, we can all talk about it if you want to all talk about it. So it's okay for them to say, I don't agree with the answer because that's how they feel, right? So let's hear them out. But then at the end of the day, you're going to make the decision that's best for your child because you're responsible for your child right now. Yeah. Any other questions? You guys can ask some questions to her um, after we wrap up too. Okay. Thank Thank you. you. Yes.